verse is First Chronicles 26:18. It's a it's a verse that says, "At the Parbar westward, four at the causeway, and two at Parbar." <laughs> it's just what it says. <laughs> I was at, over at the at the uh, mortuary the other day, and I was thinking, you know, I'm going to have to make sure that Ann puts that on my on my gravestone, <laughs> you know, the First Chronicles 26:18, and people will look it up and go, "What?" But that's just me. There's something wrong with me, definitely. At this time, we'll invite the ushers to come forward to receive the offering, and as they do, go over some of our announcements. We will, this week, as always, on Wednesday night, be joining together for our study in the book of Proverbs. It's been really helpful and and enjoyable, and encourage you to come on out for that. Also, today, we start registration for the couples retreat. The retreat will be May 4th through the 6th, but we've been announcing it for a few weeks, but this morning there's a table out in the foyer where you can sign up and reserve a spot for that retreat. You couples, I would encourage you to do that. Um, Vacation Bible School is coming up in July, but on this Wednesday morning at 9.30, there's going to be a meeting for people who want to help with Vacation Bible School in, in leadership. And so if you have that time available Wednesday morning at 9.30, come on by and chip in and help in the planning for the Vacation Bible School. Our junior high and high school youth have a, an amazing race event, a car rally kind of a thing, on Saturday, March 24th from 2 to 6. And so put that on your calendar and you can sign up in the foyer or in the various youth uh, rooms on Wednesday night or on Sunday morning. Get signed up for the amazing race. The cost is $10. Um, The junior high kids, and those of you second service know that our junior high kids meet second service in the bus, they have an event scheduled for this Friday night over at Todd Beebe's house uh, from 6 to 9, and they have dinner, food, fun, and fellowship. And so there should be flyers that look like this in the foyer, or you can go out and catch them in the bus after the service and, and get a hold of a flyer. Every junior high student is invited to come over to Todd and Mindy's to have a great time on Friday and eat a lot of food. Uh, Children's Church Leaders, there's a meeting today after third service in the conference room. College and Career Fellowship meets tonight at 7 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall, as always. This is the week for women's ministry, so Tuesday night or Friday morning, you ladies are invited to come on out for our women's ministry. Newcomers are always welcome, and that's Tuesday night at 6.45 or Friday morning at 9 a.m. Uh, our GTO and Go Evangelism Training class and, and outreach will meet this Friday at 6.30 in the conference room. So come on out. If you've never really shared your faith with people, you're welcome to come out and they'll give you some tips and you can go out with other people. And if you want, you can just watch or you can participate as you, as you feel comfortable to do that. But that'll be this Friday. They meet at 6.30. And then just a note of interest we will be celebrating communion next Sunday morning, so come expecting that to happen. Now let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Philippians, once again in Philippians chapter 4. We've spent the last several weeks in verse 8 of chapter 4, 
Philippians 4.8, we took some time with it because it's talking about meditation. It's talking about the kinds of things that we should be thinking about in order to bring about the changes in our lives that God wants to, to work in us. The choice of thinking the right things. Everything we do that's wrong started out with the wrong idea. And if we're going to see our lives change, we have to think differently. And so we spent several weeks looking and talking about what does it mean to meditate on things that are true or things that are noble? How do we reflect in our lives those values of, of justice and, and purity and love? That exercise of sharing a good report and, and of having virtue and praise come emanating from our lives. And all of that verse is to give us a handle on the kinds of things that we should deliberately be thinking about. Transformation of our mind, as Paul puts it over in Romans chapter 12. But now as we come to verse 9 here, Philippians chapter 4, Paul takes it a step further. And he says, it's not enough to think right, but you have to put into practice the things that God is showing you. Now, it's true, you'll never be able to practice a successful life until you are thinking along the lines of a successful life. But if you stop at the thinking and you never put it into practice, you come up short of all that God has for you. And so here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9, Paul says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. That word there, do, is the Greek word prasso, and it's a word that really means to practice. It's talking about this is how you live. Put into practice the things that you've been thinking about and the things that you've been taught. We use the word practice. Generally, when we think of practice, we, we think of someone who's just trying something that they're just learning, dabbling in it. Now, when I practice, it generally means, well, I'm barely getting started. You know, you, I, there's, a, there's a tennis court over here in the park, and, and uh, I have a couple of friends who have really wanted. We went out and played tennis one day there. I hadn't played tennis in many years, but we knocked the ball around, and it was fun. But they keep bugging me to get over there and hit against the wall. There's a, there's a wall there that you can practice against. And so one day in my office turned up a big bucket of balls, and, you know, one of these days... I will get over there and practice. But that's kind of what we think of as practice. But there's a, a more accurate understanding of practice. And the best way we see it probably is we use the term and we talk about a medical practice or a legal practice. And we joke about, boy, no wonder they call it the practice of medicine as if you know they don't really know what they're doing. But the word practice means this is how you live. This is what you do on a daily basis. These are the habits that you form. This is what you do. And that's the sense in which Paul is using this word. And so what he is saying is, okay, you've started to understand. You're starting to think, and that's good. But put it into practice. Start allowing the things that you say you believe, the things that you say you understand, 
The things that you claim to be committed to, put it into practice. Live your life this way. Of course, the promise that he makes here is an amazing one. He says, if you do this, the God of peace will be with you. Peace is something that we are all looking for in our lives. Everyone is motivated ultimately by wanting to have some peace. When we don't have peace, we're miserable. People do all sorts of things in order to get peace. Most of the people who are struggling to make more money are hoping that somewhere along the line, making that money will provide them with an element of peace because at least they won't have to worry about being able to pay their bills. And so, boy, if I have enough in the bank, then I'll have peace. Others look to relationships to find, I just want to feel at home. I just want to feel like I'm connected with someone in a way that it's not stressful, it's peaceful. And we look for that. When Often when we're young and we're looking for a potential life partner, we were trying to find someone who will bring peace into our lives. You know, the trouble is, it's pretty good to act like you're at peace for a short period of time. And so, let's face it, if you were yourself, if you just always acted totally like yourself, well, you'd be single. Now, <laughs> those of you who are single and have been single, single for a long time, I'll give you credit for this. Yeah, you are yourself. <laughs> That's why you're alone. <laughs> Better learn to fake it so someone will be with you. But I'm only half joking about that. You can guess which half. But, but the truth is we want relationships because we think somehow it will provide peace for us. It'll make us feel like everything's okay. We'll have a good outlook. Paul is saying here, you know what? If you get this and you put what God is teaching you into practice, the God of peace will be with you. The only way to find peace, Jesus said, I came that you would have peace. Peace I give you, my, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. He goes, I can give peace like no one else can. The way you really get God's peace is by being with the God of peace, hanging out with him. He keeps the peace when we draw close to him. And so Paul here is saying, the promise that I'm holding out for you is everything you've been looking for in life, which I could sum up by peace, you'll get that. It's contagious when you're hanging around the God of peace. When you're drawing close to him, allowing him to work in your lives, a peace will set in. And it's what you've been looking for. It's exactly what you've been needing. You may think that you've been trying to get all sorts of other things, but peace is really what it comes down to. And so Paul, in exhorting them to start to live what they've been learning, to live what he's been teaching, his promise is, if you do this, the God of peace will be with you. So what's he telling them to do? We see four things in this verse. Things that you learned, things that you've received, things that you heard, and things that you saw. At first glance, these four descriptive words seem to be almost the same, but there are subtle differences between them, and so let's spend a few minutes looking at them and talking about them. First of all, the things that you've learned. Life is a, is a series of lessons. And every experience we go through has an opportunity to teach us. 
many of us decide to check out of school, though. And the idea of learning presupposes that the student, in order to be successful as a student, recognizes that they don't know everything. You can't teach someone who isn't teachable. So for us to really learn in order to put into practice what God wants us to know, the first thing that we have to do, the first awareness that we need to have is that we need help, that we need God to teach us in some way. There are some people who don't think they have anything to learn. And it's really a sad thing when you see someone like that. Now, for me, as we've been going through Philippians 4, 8, I'm just blown away by how much work I need in my life. Because when I look at, boy, whatever things are true, I realize I believe a lot of things that aren't true. The word, as we talked about the word for truth, is a word that means no secrets. When I think about no secrets, I think about my secrets. And I realize, oh man, truth, I need that. When we think about nobility, I think of this concept of worshiping God, entering into an awareness of his presence. And the more I think of his nobility, the more I'm convinced that I need that, but I lack that. The same thing goes for justice. Oh, I need to be fair, but I realized I cheat. I realize that I see things through my own eyes. I don't listen to others and try to see things through their eyes. I, I make up my mind, and then that's what I'm going to do. Purity, I look at purity, and I see the impurities in my own life. I see all of the things that have polluted and distorted who God is and how he wants to show himself through my life. Looking at loveliness, I think of all the ways in which I fail to be lovely. Good report, I think of my bad reports. Virtue, I think of how, how flawed I am. And praise, I think of all the times when I complain instead of praising God. And so for me, when I meditate on these things in verse 8, I get to the point really where I understand, boy, do I need a lot of work. I am a mess. And, and that's where it ought to take us, really. I, I feel sorry for people who read the Bible in such a way that they look at this list in verse 8 and they go, boy, I know people who really need to hear this. <laughs> I need to get this tape and give it to so-and-so because, boy, do they need this. How sad if you look at the scriptures and it just confirms that you are right. It just makes you feel like, boy, that message made me feel good today because I am that way. <laughs> See, because if that's where you're at, you're not going to change. You're never going to learn. We all get tired of learning. We all come to the point where we feel like, you know what, I don't want to be a student anymore. I, my son William, who just graduated with his bachelor's degree in engineering recently, said at the end of his school year, he said, at the end of the semester, he said, I am so glad that now for the rest of my life I don't have to learn anything anymore. <laughs> and he was just kidding, sort of. <laughs> But so often, we get that way spiritually. We think, I've arrived, I've achieved, here I am. Until we commit ourselves to a life of study, to a life of growing, to a life of learning, we are always going to fall short of what God has for us. And ultimately, there's going to be a peace that can't possibly happen 
until we place ourselves at the feet of the Savior and say, I want to learn. I admit I am not who I ought to be, where I should be. It's always fun to see new Christians because they come to the Lord and they're so fresh and excited and you see, man, in the first year that they're walking with God, you see them growing, things are changing, lights are being clicked on. It's awesome to see that and I rejoice in that. But you know what's sad is to see people who have walked with the Lord for years and you see them 10 years later and they haven't grown at all They're still struggling with the same stuff they were struggling with before. They're still talking about the same issues that were interesting to them before. You feel like, have you grown at all? Somewhere along the line, we we resign. We get off the path of improvement and we say, I'm done with school. I'm through learning. You know, there's something naturally that happens to us. And I think it's really a gift from God in a way. And that is when we get older, things start to slip out of our minds. When I was younger, I could just learn stuff just by pouring it in, and it was just there. It was amazing how much I could learn and how fast I could learn it. But as I get older, I'm just surprised, you know, that I can remember what day it is. Some days I can't. You know, they're, I, I can't remember where my keys are sometimes and things like that. My mind is going downhill. Now, it's so important that recognizing that, I realize, hey, the older I get, the harder I need to study. I spend more time reading now than I did when I was younger. I spend more time studying the Word of God now than I did when I was younger. The reason is simply I'm forgetting it. If I stop learning now, eventually I won't know anything. <laughs> it's, I've got to stay studying as a student. I need to learn. I need to subject myself to, to God and to say, you teach me. I need you to do this work in my life. And so Paul would exhort them, be a student, study, and learn. And then what you're learning, put it into practice right away. If you learn something and you don't use it, you'll lose it. One of the ways in which you can remember people's names when you meet a new person is pay attention to them, look at them. Now, if you can, program their name into your mind in some weird associative way. That'll help you a lot. But I realize for some of you, you're too threatened by that. So you don't. But, you know, if you meet a guy named Bill... And you look at them and say, what do I notice about Bill? And find a way to picture a duck bill on him. Like, you know, just maybe it's his nose. Maybe, you know, some of them are just so obvious you can't miss them. But in some way, really pay attention. And then if you jot down the names of people that you met today and at the end of the day, you picture them in your mind, who were those people and and what were they and, and their names. And then if the next time you see them, call them by name, make a, take a, it's risky, I know, to just call someone out by name. It's easier, cheaper to just call them brother or sister, hey, you, or whatever. But once you use someone's name like two times after you've seen them the first time, you'll probably remember their name for forever. But we're that way with everything that we learn. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. And, and Paul says here, hey, the things that you've learned, it presupposes that you want to learn. 
It means that you put in the time necessary to study, but then it says, don't just learn, do it. Put it into practice. If you can find one thing that you are going to apply from something that you've learned, do it. Put it into practice. And you'll be surprised how God begins to soak that learning into you in a way that then it becomes a part of your life. Because, again, old age and memory lapse and things like that are causing us all to leak like sieves. So you better keep filling it up. You better keep learning and continue to study. If you, this week, this last week, if you didn't read a book, you wasted a part of your week. If you didn't spend time reading the Bible every day, things could have been so much better for you this week if you had invested in that way. But Paul says, Make sure you're a student, but take that and put it into practice immediately. Right away, go out and try it. Utilize it. Other than that, all you are is a spectator. Other than that, you're, you're like someone who lays in bed watching the exercise shows. You know, yeah, I see it. It's great. I, these shows now, most of them take place over in Hawaii, you know, they're there on a beautiful beach and probably just a fake backdrop of Hawaii. But, you know, they make you feel like, oh, in a beautiful place. Well, I, you know, personally, I've been to Hawaii. I imagine most of you have been to Hawaii at one time or another. When I was over there, I really didn't feel like exercising. <laughs> I felt like loafing around. And a lot of times, that's the way we are with our lives. We think that it's enough just to spectate education. But in reality, it's learning and doing that has the, the opportunity to transform our lives. If we don't do it, if we won't make changes in our lives, then the education is fruitless. But shame on us if we just don't educate ourselves. Education may be expensive at times. Sometimes it involves investing. But education, as expensive as it is, isn't nearly as expensive as ignorance. And so we need to be students, and we need to take what we learn and apply it. Secondly, he says, the things that you've received. That word is an interesting word in the Greek. The, the word means to take alongside. And in other uh, extra-biblical Greek, it's used as all sorts of picking up a, a package and carrying it or something like that. But in, in the New Testament, every time this word is used, it's in a very specialized sense of hearing from God, of receiving something from the Lord. Paul, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when he's talking about communion, he refers to when Jesus ministered to him about communion personally, and he says, I received of the Lord that which I also have given unto you that the Lord Jesus in the same night in which he was betrayed took and break bread and said, this is my body which is broken for you and so on. He said, I received it from the Lord. Over in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about the gospel. And, he, and I'll turn over there quickly because he uses the same word a couple of times. It's interesting because he says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, same word, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preach to you unless you believed in vain. 
Verse 3, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and He was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve, and so on. So 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, I received this from the Lord. And he said, when I shared the gospel with you, you received it as well. Using this word, what he's talking about is hearing from God. Now, it's nice to hear about someone else hearing from God. And that's education. That's learning. But receiving from God is more than just what you've learned It's where God has personally met you, how he has personally spoken to you. It sometimes flows forth from learning, but at some point it becomes personal. You're you're reading or you're hearing a Bible study, and, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, that nails me completely. That's exactly what has been happening in my life. Receiving from the Lord are those times when you just knew. If somebody said, if there's one thing this week that God's been telling you, what is it? And you know right away. The sad thing is, there are a lot of people who have received from the Lord and just haven't done anything about it. God has spoken to us, and we just don't obey. I've known people, and it's tragic, who, who have heard God's call on their life. I've known different men and women who God has called them to ministry in some way. And they heard that call, and they frankly just said no. Or they said later, you know, after I worked through some other things in my life, or, you know, they put it off in some way. And eventually they get to the point where it's just old news, It's so far away from the reality of their life, and yet it haunts them to this day. I've met people who cannot set foot in a church because when they step into a church and they look at the church, they realize, God has called me to be involved in ministry, and I haven't done it. And I feel horrible. I feel guilty. I feel awful. Quite often, people who have been called to ministry who say no are people who then can't stand to hear someone else teach the Bible. Because deep inside they know they're supposed to be out there somewhere doing it. And now they feel awful because they didn't do what God told them to do. I believe that God wants to speak to each and every one of us. I believe that he has special, personal messages for us. But I also believe that if we don't do what he says, eventually he just kind of gives up. He just says, you know, when you start doing what I've told you to do, then I'll give you some more instructions. A lot of times we go, God, what do you want me to do? And he tells us something, and we go, okay, but after I do that, then what do you want me to do? And he tells us, we go, but then after that and that and that, where does this all lead? And he tells us, and we go, "Eh, I don't know. I don't think I want to go there. And so we just quit. We just hang it up, and we don't obey. But what Paul is exhorting them here is, when you've heard from God, when he has spoken to you personally, do what he told you to do. Obey him, follow him. Now, you go, but how does God talk? And sometimes people talk about God talking to them as if he's so obvious that they just hear a voice. Some people hear voices. 
Not sure all of those voices are God necessarily, but there are some people who seem to hear from God in different ways than other people. But I know that God is speaking to you personally. He is. Now, he may speak to you differently than he does someone else, but it's important that we are caring about hearing what he has to say and ready to say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. I will do what you tell me to do. That is way more important than just what we hear. If you feel like God is speaking to you and calling you to do something, by all means, do it. Well, what if it's not God? You know what? If it's not God, you'll realize that when you get into it. And the good thing is you will have a peace that says, I did what I thought he wanted me to do. You know, you may feel like God's telling you to, you know, start a Bible study. And so you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm up for it. I don't know if anyone will come. And, you know, but I think God wants me to do it, so I'll do it. Now, what happens if no one comes? What happens if no one agrees with you that you should be heading up a Bible study? It's no problem. You're off the hook. You know, I always feel like someday if, you know, my ministry's going down the tubes and eventually everyone leaves and goes to another church and I come here and there's no one here, great. <laughs> Seriously, that's fine. I go, okay, I'm done. That's good. I know I finished what I started. I knew I do, I, knew, I know I did what I was supposed to do. And if I try something because I think God wants me to do it, and it doesn't work out, then I have a peace of knowing that I did what I thought he wanted me to do. I've told you in the past some stories that, that I've heard over the years of people who God told to do weird things. And one of my favorites, I'll repeat it again, even though you may have all heard it, but years ago at Calvary, there was a guy who was a brand new Christian, and he was driving down the street, and there, he was in a neighborhood where they have these, over there on uh, Memory Lane down there in Santa Ana near Garden Grove, and they have these houses with these huge front yards, and they have mailboxes out on the street. And as he was driving along, he thought God told him to go stick his head in a mailbox and yell, Jesus loves you. And he, he was a new Christian, but even he knew that was weird and over the top. And, you know, he, he didn't want to do it, and he kind of argued with himself, but he, he couldn't get it out of his mind at all. So finally he parked the car, and he was looking around, make sure nobody was around, and he goes, okay, I'll do it. And he, he stuck his head in this mailbox, and he yelled, Jesus loves you. And what he didn't anticipate is yelling into that big mailbox. It was like a megaphone. It just boomed out. You could hear it, and it was like, oh, no. And he hit his head as he was yanking his head out of the mailbox, and he's grabbing it, and he, he goes heading to his car, and some guy comes running out of the house right there, and he's like, oh, God. So he couldn't get away fast enough, so he went, stopped, and he told the guy, he goes, hey, I'm sorry. I, I'm just into becoming a Christian, and I, I thought that God was telling me to yell in the mailbox, but I'm leaving. Don't call the police. It's, you know, it's going to be fine. And the guy goes, no, let me tell you something. He said, I was just standing on a chair with my head in a noose, and I was going to take my life. And I said, God, if you love me, you're going to have to tell me right now, or I'm dead. <laughs> And he said, I heard this, Jesus loves you. <laughs> now, out of that story, I imagine a few people over the years have yelled into mailboxes 
and nobody's life was saved. But I don't know, what that tells me is if I get that urge to do that, what could it hurt to just do what I think God is telling me to do? And maybe it'll lead to a lesson about listening to the voice of God. But the big thing is, see, God's great enough. He can do whatever he wants to do with or without us. But for us to take that step of saying, I think God's talking to me, and so I'm going to do this, that's a huge step for us. That's what's called faith. Now, a lot of times when God speaks to me, (coughs) it's kind of weird little things that I don't even, I have no idea if it's God or not. Sometimes I'll be driving along and I'll just feel this compulsion to, you know, go to Walmart. And I, I mean, I don't like Walmart. There, I, there isn't anything there that I really want to, to buy, but I'll just like, I don't know, I'm feeling like I should go there. Now, more often than not, it's to Fry's Electronics or Home Depot, but sometimes even Walmart. And I've had this happen several times where I just go, God, what's this for? And I go park and I walk into Walmart and say hello to the greeter and, you know, just start walking around in the store going, what am I doing here? Why am I wasting my lunchtime walking around in Walmart? And, you know, I see McDonald's there and I'm like, no, that can't be it. (laughs) But I've had happen several times and twice I remember at Walmart specifically where I went in the store because I just wanted to for some reason. And then as I'm ready to leave the store thinking, oh, I guess it wasn't God, somebody would come up and go, Pastor Dave, you don't know, I was just praying that I would run into you somewhere because I wanted to talk to you about something. And it's like, there I am having a conversation and I'm just going, God, you're amazing. That's so cool. I don't have to wonder whether that conversation was of God. I'm in Walmart not buying anything. And... (laughs) And there are so many times when God will leave. If I, I've just learned that if I'm driving somewhere and I just feel like going a few blocks out of the way, I just do it. If I feel like going somewhere, I'll check it out. I'll find it and I'll be looking. Okay, God, is there something that you are saying in this process? But you know, if you don't listen to the voice of God, it'll dry up. It really will. Because God just realizes you don't have a clue that you don't have the faith to go out of your way, that if God lays someone on your heart and so you call them, sometimes it's amazing what God will do. But if God lays someone on your heart and you don't call them, you don't talk to them, you don't pray for them, then pretty soon he'll just go, okay, you don't get it. Paul's saying the things that you've received, if you've heard from God, do it. And you'll have the peace that comes from, okay, maybe you'll spend a few extra minutes in Walmart. And I don't know what the point to that was. But at least you have a peace. There's nothing worse, and I've had this happen too, believe me, where I see someone on the side of the road, and I feel like God's saying, why don't you go talk to that guy? And I'm like, I'm late somewhere. I got to get going. I don't want to do that. It's probably a mass murderer. You know, just... and. I just drive on, and do you know how that haunts you for, for days, weeks, even months? There's one guy, I remember God told me to go talk to him, and I didn't, and for like three months, every time I saw, the guy was always there. He comes to work early at a place over on Laguna Canyon, and when I would drive through the canyon coming to church, I'd see the guy there, and I knew that God wanted me to, to stop and talk to him, and I was just miserable the whole time I didn't. 
Finally, I stopped, and I went and talked to him, and I, he didn't speak English, and all of a sudden, I froze up and forgot all my Spanish, and, and you know, as little as it is, and finally, I just, like, gave him money and said it was from the Lord and left, but I thought, I wonder if he really needed that money for something, or I wonder if he needed to hear someone just say Jesus is Lord to him in Spanish. I wonder if he just needed someone to go out of their way. I wonder what that did in his life. And I have a piece that I did that day what I was supposed to do. I don't understand it. But I'll tell you, compared to the misery of feeling like I missed an opportunity, I bet God wanted something cool to happen that day, and I didn't let it happen. And so Paul would go, you know what? Pay attention. God is speaking to you. He, want, he doesn't just give you the Bible and you figure the rest of it out on your own. He wants to apply it in your life in a way that's powerful and helpful and miraculous. To hear the voice of God and to obey it gives us peace. And he's speaking a lot more than we think. Ooh. I'm speaking a lot more than I thought too. <laughs> so you've learned and you've received and then he says also you've heard and you saw you've heard. It goes along with listening to the Lord, but I think it's greater than that. It means just listening, period. There's so much that we miss by not listening. There's so much that we miss because we can't hear what's going on around us. I like to listen to people talk. Sometimes, every once in a while, when it's lunchtime, I'll take off and go to lunch by myself. Now, most days, I don't get lunch because I'm just so busy and caught up. But one of the things that I like to do is to go sit by myself in a restaurant. I'll deliberately put myself at a table next to a couple other groups of people. And it's better than a soap opera. Just sit there and eat and listen to people's conversations. Now, if you see me in a restaurant by myself, you're going to sit a long ways away from me <laughs> so as not to become a sermon illustration. But, but it's amazing sometimes the things that you learn when you listen. It's God will have you overhear a conversation. That's exactly what you need to hear. So often I hear someone struggling with an issue and having an argument or a question or trying to defend their ideas. And it gives me such fresh insight into how some people think. And it helps me to understand, you know, there may be someone who's going through something just like that who's at church Sunday and needs to hear this. It, it, listening is so important. Often when you listen, you'll hear something that, that you would say is disconnected. I, and I practice this sometimes when I'm off somewhere. Sometimes I'll just ask God to speak to me through what someone else is saying. And it's really funny how it can work. I, you know, there are times, I, I remember one time when I was, and I really don't make a practice of going shopping with my wife. Um, I just, I don't like to shop. But, you know, it was one of those times she was in a store, and I was sitting with the men out in the, you know, in the lobby killing time. And I was, I was struggling, and, and I was kind of concerned about some things that were going on in my life. And I said, God, I'm going to listen right now to this crowd, all these people, and I want to hear from you. And right then, I heard someone say, don't worry about it. And I'm like, yeah. That's cool. 
And sometimes if we didn't just shut ourselves off, so often we're walking around with the iPod in our ears or something and, and not listening. God may be speaking in ways that's amazing if we, if we let him. And Paul says, listen, pay attention. God speaks to us in, in funny ways sometimes. I might have told you the story of one time Ann and I were having a fight while we were driving to um, Payways to a Chinese restaurant to get food, and we were fighting over the fact that I'm too busy. And I was, how could I defend myself? I'm too busy. And so, you know, I was just kind of, she was beating me up, and, and we walked into Payways, and we ordered our food, and then we, she loves those fortune cookies that they have in Payways, and they have a whole tub of them there, and you can get as many as you want. So she was like loading her pockets up with them and everything. And so I'm just like, oh, man. So I get my little fortune cookie before our food even came, and we had just been arguing about me working too much, and I popped the cookie open. I'm not even talking to Ann. I'm so mad at her. And I pop it open, and I pull the little fortune out, and it says, your good work, will, your hard work will be rewarded. And I'm like, in your face, look at that. <laughs> but do you know how cool it is that God spoke to me in a fortune cookie? <laughs> now, since then, I've been looking, I, you know, I'll go through the fortune cookies and it's like, it only happened for me once. There's only been one time that God spoke to me through a fortune cookie, and maybe he'll never do it to you. But are you listening? Are you open to hearing him speak in different ways to you? Is that, is that okay with you? And to understand that, to know that if our ears are open, we'll hear. And what you hear, put it into action. And then he says, finally, in what you've seen in me. It's that example that Paul said, watch, watch me, open your eyes. And what you've learned and received and heard and seen, do it. Do it and the God of peace will be with you. I think we need to look for examples of God's peace. We need to follow the peace. We, we need to learn peace and we need to receive from God, things that will give us peace, and we need to hear messages of peace, and we need to see examples of peace. And what that means for each of us is we need to look for people that are walking examples of peace. Who do we know who really seems to be at peace? And those are people that you can watch and listen to and learn from and receive some of the lessons that can lead you to having the God of peace with you. On the other hand, if there are people you know who are constantly antsy, they're angry and volatile, they're obsessed with being in control, or, you don't want to learn that. You already know how to do that. Find people who are walking examples of peace and say, God, what can you show me from these people? Those should be your mentors. I know people who I just, when I think of peace, I think of these people, lots of people. Some of them going through horrible trials in their lives and yet demonstrating that peace. I, you know, some of the people who are at the most peace that I know are people who are struggling with real serious medical problems, for instance. And yet you see a peace that passes understanding. And I look at them and I go, God, I could use that kind of peace. I could use that kind of work in my life. 
So Paul would say, find those examples of peace and pursue the peace. And the things that you're learning by being a student, the product of your study, put it into practice. When you're hearing the voice of God and God is speaking to you, do what he's telling you to do. Keep your eyes open to what you might hear. Keep your, your eyes open to what you might hear and keep your ears open to what you might see <laughs> to finish the thought <laughs> or the other way around. And you know, if you live your life that way and do what he tells you to do, the God of peace will be with you. That's a promise from God. And it's true, and, and I found it to be my experience in my life. And when I'm not at peace, when I'm struggling and wrestling and striving with life, I want to back up a little bit. For me, I'd like to meditate on Philippians 4, 8, and then as I take those thoughts into verse 9, I go, okay, what do I need to learn? What do I need to, to, to hear from God, receive? What do I need to see? What do I need to hear so that I'll be close to God, so the God of peace will be with me and I can catch peace from him? That's the life that God has for us. That's the way it's supposed to work. It's not supposed to be a struggle. We make it a struggle when we don't apply what he's telling us, when we don't live it, when we don't put his truth into practice. When we don't put it into practice, it's not surprising that no one else really wants to hear what we have to say either. When we put it into practice, it really works. Life works for us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for setting the ultimate example for us and living that life of peace before us, for giving us your Holy Spirit the spirit of peace, to, to live inside us. God, we're sorry when we just don't do what you tell us to do. We learn stuff, we get excited about it, we're determined to change, and then we just flake. God, help us to practice what you preach. Help us to put into action those things that your spirit speaks to our heart. Help us to hear your voice to listen to you and, and to obey. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.